0: Welcome to the Refuge Church podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on Refuge Church, or to learn how you can give to this ministry, visit refugejacks.church. Right, good morning um happy valentine's day you guys uh i tend to ruin valentine's day i've always been good at that um on uh <laughs> my wife and i got engaged april 20th gosh 2000 something too and um I'm trying to do the math on stage and um that february like we were talking about marriage stuff that february valentines day uh i gave her a stuffed animal with a ring tied on it right uh it was not an engagement ring so uh not only that but the bag that it came in said it was a wedding bag so um and then uh today being valentines day yesterday i gave her a gift um and i tried to give her just like some unique stuff that i thought she would enjoy and care about and I gave her this cool shirt that said, uh, I've got you, babe, uh, on it, you know, <laughs> thought it was cool, thought it was neat. It's like, do you love that? She said, I love that. It's great. Uh, and then she said, did you notice this? And she showed it to me and said, no, I didn't notice that. What does that mean? Well, there's this word that I didn't know. Maternity was on the T-shirt. And um, so I gave her that shirt and uh, um, I didn't know. So, uh, um, so, so babe, I'm sorry. I love you. Um, you know, please be my friend. So uh, I ruined Valentine's Day. That's just a gift for me to you. So uh, enjoy. So there's that. Y'all pray for Beth. So uh, maybe one day we'll get it right. So um, let me pray. And then we'll jump into Ephesians 2, um, 11, man, starting in verse 11. God, we love you. we pray that your word would speak. We pray that your truth would declare. You pray, God, we pray that you would humble us before your word. Jesus, we pray that you would be exalted by your word. And that your truth alone would stand right now. God, we need you and we love you. Amen. Uh, if, you have your, if you have your journals, man, I'd love for you to take, we've been kind of doing this for a while, that there's a couple of themes, reconciliation, peace, unity. I'd love for you to write down that word or find that word, or if you're starting a new area of taking notes, reconciliation. That's what today, man, the sermon is all about. That's what the section is all about, starting in verse 11 of chapter 2. And, and next to the word reconciliation, I think it would be really helpful to also write the word alienation or alienated. Um, as we'll see In verse 12, um, what that means. So reconciliation an alienated or alienation, um, and seeing those two words kind of juxtaposed to one another. is, is really been the context of today. Um, so we, we've said for a while that you can find the context of why Paul wrote this book in Acts chapter 19. We've said several times that Paul shows up in Ephesus. Um, when he shows up, he spends two years there. He leaves, and he writes these letters. But when he shows up, this, this holy disservice takes place. Because some guy tries to tries to send a demon out of another guy, or several guys do, and the demon comes out and whips the guy because the guy says, remember this, uh, Jesus, I know, Paul, I've heard of, I don't know who you are. And, th- and then you get this, 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 this explosion, this riot takes place in Ephesus, all because the gospel shows up and just really wrecks the cultural ideas of what's happening then. So, so we're praying as well, man, that, that the Lord, just like in Acts 19, might bring a holy disturbance, man, to the areas we live in, to our neighborhoods, to our community, man, and, and to come through to and through our church. So it's really how all this ties together. So I have a question. Have you ever been left out? Have you ever been left out of something? Maybe you got online and you, uh, and you saw, oh, they had a wedding. I wasn't invited. Man, didn't know that was happening, right? Um, you ever missed out on something? You ever uh, got online and wondered, man, where was my invite to that party? I'm not trying to like, r- you know, bring trauma up. I just want you to kind of process it. You ever checked, man, your Facebook events to go, did I miss the invite? Maybe, oh, didn't, okay. You ever seen a photo on Instagram of all your people together and then went, oh, I thought I was part of that group, mm, right? How about, um, I'm sure no one's experienced everybody at work going to lunch somewhere and you didn't hear and they all came back with the cups and you're like... Maybe it's just, you know, maybe you haven't experienced that, right? Being left out has involved so much due to our social media kind of culture that FOMO, fear of missing out, is now actually a word in the English language. Being left out can be one of the most hurtful things in the world. And being left out is is kind of a gospel issue. So, So reconciliation is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive into this word, this idea of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Now, if we've been saved, then we also have been reconciled to Christ. Not because of our efforts or works, but because of what Jesus has done. So as we talk about reconciliation today, it is important that we understand the other word I told you, alienation or being alienated. To be alienated means to be excluded, men estranged, or just that very word, to alienate someone. The Bible speaks of human alienation describing two radical concepts. The first one is that alienation, that we are alienated from God, our creator, as the result of our sin. We're alienated. We talked we were dead in our trespasses. This is last week's message. And the other one, we're alienated from our fellow creatures is how one writer said it. That, that we alienate one another. Nothing is more dehumanizing than this breakdown of fundamental human relationships that we were created to live in relationship with God and in relationship with one another. And so often that's just so challenging. Dr. Tim Keller um, up in pastor in New York says, says really, really profoundly and really simply that people are complicated. So not true. People are complicated. Then we start texting like we know how to communicate with them and it makes it even worse. Right. God's desire is for reconciliation in all relationships. This is the point of the gospel. And then Ephesians 2, our text today, we see that humans are depicted as alienated from one another. God has reconciled us to himself because of Jesus. And then you and I are reconciling reconciling the world to one another through Christ. So sharing the gospel... Is all about reconciliation. I'm not sure you could say the opposite of reconciliation. Reconciliation is alienation, but these two are are certainly juxtaposed to one another. So we we have to have a starting point. We, We all start alienated from God. All of us, because of our sin, we are not with God, and yet Christ paid the price. And then we're also alienated from one another, yet Christ is the one who reconciles us to himself. And just like you were dead and you were alienated from God, you also... At a time and at times will be alienated from one another. So I want to share a story with you that really paints this picture of reconciliation. Um, there was a revival in Wales in 1904 called Nothing Creative, the Welsh Revival of 1904. But many have wondered how it started. Well, how did the, and there's a lot of different stories about the origins, but the, the, the really what many people think is many point to years before the Welsh Revival that brought the gospel to so many different countries, that the Welsh Revival may actually have started in South Africa. In 1899, uh, the British government was colonizing South Africa, and war broke out between Dutch farmers, also known as boers, it's B-O-E-R, And the British government. And the British government was, in effect, kicking these Boers, these Dutch farmers, off of their land and burning their farms. So, thousands of these Boers or farmers were forced off their land and into concentration camps all over the world, stretching from Bermuda to India. They were removed from their homes, their families, their friends, separated, and made prisoners of war. While they were in these concentration camps, missionaries got permission to go into these camps and evangelize these Boers. Two men, in this one instance in Sri Lanka, meant two men who were enemies of one another and everyone in every concentration camp knew these new men, these two men, and knew they were enemies of each other, both came to Christ separately. And after coming to Christ, both felt the weight of conviction. To meet up in camp that they were both in and reconcile with one another. We are enemies we're now in Christ, we're going to reconcile. And after doing so, they prayed together. And the story goes that after they prayed together, they decided and felt convicted that every week, or excuse me, every day they should come back and pray together, and they should pray for the thousands of people like them that are in these concentration camps for their salvation. And listen to this: within one week. Thousands began to join them in prayer and thousands of these boers came to saving faith in Christ because their fellow men who were in these concentration camps, men saw two men who were enemies, saw God save them and reconcile the two. And it was such a a work on display that men couldn't do anything but respond to God and worship. But even more amazing is that revival broke out, not only in this concentration camp, but in every concentration camp there was. People kicked off their land, removed from family and friends, suffering great loss, in prison, found Christ. Later, these boers returned home from war, from these concentration camps, as followers of Christ and full of the Holy Spirit. In the camps, the church became the most important thing. Many Boers eventually left and took the gospel all over the world. Some say around 100,000 were initially converted to Christ in the concentration camps among the Boers. But, but from there, the gospel spread from here to Scotland, England, the U.S., the revival in California in the early 1900s, and even into Wales, which started the Welsh Revival. But to bring this whole thing full circle, the craziest part of the whole story is as a result of what happened, more than one million people in Britain placed faith in Christ as a result. And so these two men, because they came together, they were willing to reconcile and brought revival and salvation to so many. It all started in the midst of the struggle and suffering of two men who had placed faith in Christ who were mortal enemies and came together to reconcile and then to pray. It was God's work on full display. Reconciliation. God brings salvation and revival, listen, when His people are reconciled. Listen, God brings salvation and revival when His people are reconciled. One of the main reasons we're going to read the church exploded in the book of Acts was the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. Seeing enemies worship together, reconciled, will get the attention of a lost world quicker than any other ministry of the church. Let me say that again. Seeing enemies worship together, reconciled, will get the attention of a lost world quicker than any other ministry of the church. And we start here because this is the point of Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. And specifically as it relates to Jews and Gentiles. I and mean, a study of history shows that there's been no greater hatred and separation in all the world than that of Jews and Gentiles, which is what's going to make what Paul says in just a minute unbelievably profound. Because if it's true, there's no greater hatred than what Paul's about to say would have flipped the entire world. The, the Jew, listen, this is one of the common beliefs of Jews of that day. Listen to this. Jews believed and would state openly often that Gentiles were created solely for, to fuel the fires of hell. The collision of Gentile and Jewish exclusiveness was monumental. The Gentiles were dogs in Jewish speak, and the Gentiles to the Jews were homicidal enemies of the human race. And the reason was not social or political Or even economic, but it was spiritual. And there was a massive divide because of this spiritual issue. So last week we said you were dead and you were made alive for God. And so the next step in that is lack of unity in Christ keeps the church from the mission of God. And lack of unity in Christ keeps the church from the mission of God. If they can divide us, then the enemy's one. Now, here you're gonna see a shift away from really verses one through ten are like are, are personal. And then the verses 11 through 22 become corporate, become for all of us together, that the gospel does more than just make dead people alive by saving, but it also brings together what we would never put together and what was separated from alienated to reconciled. The gospel makes the church one in Christ, bringing together different backgrounds, different desires, different struggles, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different politics, different people all together to worship Jesus. I would say two things today that are super important. Number one, as Christians, we are always looking to see the lost reconciled to Christ. Then you should walk into stores and coffee shops and parks and playgrounds and drive down the street and see lost and see and hope for reconciliation to take place. If you're not, then you may not believe the gospel yourself. The second thing, as Christians, we are always seeking to reconcile with one another. If we believe that we are ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5 says this, as we are, then we are always making sure that we are reconciled one to another. And so Ephesians 2, now that we've done all that, we can get to verse 11. So in saying that, therefore, verse 11, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by fleshly hands. And then look what it says. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. I have this next word underlined in my Bible, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You got separated. You've got alienated. Look at the next one. Strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Look at, look at our condition. Separated, alienated, strangers, having no hope without God in the world. Remember, at one time you were part of this. Remember, at one time you were not in Christ. There was a time for all of us that you were not part of this. You aren't born a Christian. You place faith in Christ and become a Christian. Remember that you were separated from Christ. Don't think, I wasn't there yet. Think, I was fully separated until God did the work of saving. Remember, you were alienated from God. You know what that means? It means you are Christless, stateless, friendless, hopeless, Nothing. Romans 3.11 says, without hope and without God. We sing this. This is who we were. Strangers to the covenant. That means we are not brought in by the blood of Christ. Having no hope. Can you? Is there anything worse in our whole world than not having hope? If we don't have hope, there's no reason to live. This has to be the most devastating place to be as a human. No hope means nothing to hold on to. Nothing to look to, nothing to desire, no peace, no joy, no future, nothing but death, loss, suffering. Man, and then you see this word alienation. Alienation produces the most dehumanizing and deliberating, deliberating results in all of life. Listen, if you, if you, alienation, this was as i was studying, just really shook me. Alienation, being alienated, is a root of racism. If you find in your heart racism or hatred towards a certain culture, people group, skin color. Even someone of a different political leaning, I mean, how can you claim the love of God is in you? How can you alienate someone in your mind and claim the love of God is in you? How can you alienate someone with your words and claim the love of God is in you? Those who have been saved and no longer are alienated can live a life that is reconciled to others. We've got to be careful as, men, as the church of our phrases and our words, things like them, those, those people liberals, republicans, deplorable, MAGA, racist jokes, racism words, all these exclusive terms that produce alienated people rather than gospel transformation. And either they've been saved or they need to be saved. And if they're saved, they're a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. If they're not, they need the Lord. A fleshly people in a broken world will always struggle with and wrestle with alienating others. And we must look to see reconciliation at all times. And here's the thing that I'm learning. Reconciliation starts with humility. It means I'm walking into a relationship going, I can't fix this. But I know the one who can. Again, back to these points. Number one, as a Christian, we are always looking to see the lost reconciled to Christ. And as Christians, we are always seeking to reconcile one to another. Look what we get in verse 13. Please look with your eyes. There's that word again. But. See, remember what it said? It says you were separated. You were alienated. You were strangers. You had no hope. But now in Christ, you who were, look at this phrase, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, not by your works, not by your power, your strength, your effort, your worship, your work, your service solely by the blood of Christ, there it is again. You who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Whether you're 5, 25, or 75, it was the blood of Christ that brought you near.
1: Man, let's just make this really clear.
0: If you're in this room today, it was the blood of Christ that got you to this room. You have been reconciled to Christ. Do you know what that means? It means you are near to God and you are near to other believers. The blood of Christ makes it possible for both Jews and Gentiles to come near, both rich and poor, both Democrat and Republican, both black and white, both British and Boer, ready? Both bulldog and gator. Meaning there's nothing that can separate. This is the point. The blood of Christ brings reconciliation. The blood of Christ makes it possible. The blood of Christ makes the impossible possible. The blood of Christ brings together what no man can bring together in his own strength. The blood of Christ brings us all together. The blood of Christ does what is impossible for man to do. You and I were once far from God and God brought us near. And the good news is this reconciliation is not based on your efforts, your wisdom, or your communication skills, but the blood of Christ. And we place our hope there. Look at this verse 14. I don't know if you struggle with like, man, been a hard week or struggle with anxiety or struggle with just a lack of peace. Look what this next, just first man, like six words says. For he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. He made us both one and has ended hostility. This is what reconciliation looks like. This is what this verse says. He himself is our peace. How is he our peace? This is how. He has made us both one and broken down in His flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. He has taken on hostility so that we can experience peace. Christ is our peace. As believers, we will find peace in no place else. Submitted to and under Christ is the only place of true peace. Again, we can find distractions that kind of distract our mind for 30 minutes, for 45 minutes, for a day. But in the end, we're going to go back to that thing we were wrestling with if it's not in Christ. So as we seek reconciliation, listen, even as we seek reconciliation with others, we can have peace. I don't know if you have these moments, man. I went to bed Monday night. Just, man, just I could not get the weight of something off of my chest. I couldn't sleep. I thought about it. And as I went to sleep, I just, Lord, I cannot find peace. Would you give me peace? And he brought this psalm to my, to my heart. And it's Psalm 20, verse 7. And it's some trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord my God. And it just, man, resonated in my heart all week. And I was so grateful because I didn't find peace in the fact that the circumstance was over because it's still going. I found peace in the fact that I can find peace in Christ alone. Verse 14 also tells us sin brings hostility between man and God and man and man. That your sin and my sin, our sin, results in hostility. When you are um, um, sorry, <clears throat> sometimes in longing for peace with others, we can only do so much. But others also must see Christ as their peace. But true Christ-centered reconciliation can only happen when both parties acknowledge their sin and both parties see Christ alone as their peace. Oftentimes in these reconciliation moments, we, we want the other person to meet us somewhere. And what, what Jesus would say is, I'm the one who deals with the hostility. I am the peace. Both parties need to arrive at me, not at one another. Christ made a new man out of the sinner by the work of the cross. I want you to see these next really powerful verses. Verse 15. Man, this grabbed me like I'd never been grabbed before. Verse 15. So, so he is our peace, right? He breaks down hostility. He wants us to pursue reconciliation. Verse 15 says this, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, But but this, but, which is really hard to understand, but then he says this, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. What makes peace is he's saying there's no longer Jews or Gentiles. There's just a whole new man. In Christ, you and I are a new man. No longer two, no longer Jews, no longer Gentiles, but a new man. There are no more labels that define us other than in Christ. And so we see other people as in Christ, not needing to be in Christ. This can be our only posture as Christians. This is how reconciliation occurs. This is what he's saying. Jesus didn't Christianize Jews, and he didn't Jesusify Gentiles he didn't create some sort of half-breed. He made an entirely new man. This is verse 10 of last week. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We are a new creation. God, We are God's masterwork, a new race in Christ Jesus. Listen, this must be understood and not watered down. This is the answer to alienation, to racism, to prejudice, to hatred, to estrangement. That we are a new creation. I am new in Christ, and so is my brother. We're not carrying old baggage and old stuff with us. And if we are, that's sinful. I'm not. That's who I was. This is who I am. Let me say it this way. Second Corinthians 517 is one of these favorite kind of famous coffee mug t-shirt Christian verses. It says, therefore, if anyone is in, cre- in Christ, he is a, you know, this first new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I thought forever that meant as a new creation, the old gone, meaning the old Josh is gone. And there's a new Josh. That's, that's not what it means. Being a new creation means I'm not Not only am I not who it was, I'm not a part of that anymore. Even, I'm a whole new creation. The, the, what was before doesn't even matter anymore. It's, it's usually, as Beth and I were talking, the imagery is usually a butterfly uh, when they put with this verse. I don't know why, but it's always a butterfly. Listen, at no moment has that butterfly ever gone, man, I wish I was a grub little caterpillar again. There's never been a butterfly. Man, I wish I could go back to being an old stinking caterpillar, right? That has never happened. He's a new creation. He is new and he is, this is, this is what Jesus is saying. We're not going to go, well, I used to do that. I used to be that. I used to be a, no, I am a new creation. I am a new man. I'm a new woman in Christ. I read this little poem and, and it really relates. In Christ is no east or west. In Christ, in him, no south or north. But one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. Only Christ could do the work of reconciliation. Look, and he did. Verse 16. That he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Therefore, by killing hostility, Jesus killed in his body on the cross, the hostility of Jews and Gentiles and of all humankind. This gives way to a church that should be made up of every tribe, every tongue, every nation. This is Revelation 5. The the church in heaven will be diverse. Diversity in the church is a glorious demonstration of the work of Christ. This is a picture of heaven that is to be celebrated, and hear me, and pursued verse 17 and he look at this and he came preep he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near but before i jump into that can i just play on over and over how many times ephesians talks about peace one of the things you have to walk away from the book of ephesians is this is look at me god wants you to have peace that no matter what is going on he wants you to have peace and he offers peace verse 17 and he came And he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. You know what it doesn't say? He came and preached peace to you once you came near. That's not what it says. That's what we like to believe it says. Well, if I come near, he'll give me peace. What does it say? He came and preached peace to you who were far off. This is the ministry of reconciliation. Preaching Christ to those who were far off and those who are near. The ministry of reconciliation is to all people and for all people that all people will worship. Verse 18 For through him we have both access to one Spirit in the Father. We who are in contact with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we have peace with all who are in contact with him as well. Did you catch that? If I have contact and relationship with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, then I can have peace with all those who are in same contact as well. The highest and fullest achievement of our peacemaking is the access of the people of God to God by the reconciling of Christ and allowing us to come boldly to the Father. Meaning I can have the greatest problem with you and you can have the greatest problem with me, but the fact that we can boldly go to the Father can bring resolve no matter the problems we walk into each other with. This is the greatest revealer of our hearts towards reconciliation. If you struggle with not wanting to reconcile, it might also be revealing the distance between you and the Lord. Verse 19. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. You are saints. You are members of God's household. And you're you're no longer this. You're now new. What are you? You're not a stranger. You're not an alien. You're a citizen of heaven. Do you realize the Scriptures calls you a saint? A member of God's household. We could do a whole sermon on on the joy of being a member of God's household. And what that would bring. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Meaning we don't have to rest in ourselves for reconciliation. We rest in Christ. Verse 21. Look what it says. In whom the whole structure is being joined together. And this church, what it's saying, the church is being joined together, grows together to be a temple of the Lord. And what do you do in a temple? You worship. The point is to bring about the worship of God. And then verse 22 ends it by saying, in him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. And the hard thing is this. If I'm unwilling to pursue reconciliation, I'll be unwilling. I'll be unable to fulfill verse 22. I'm being built as a temple, a dwelling place for God. I can't fulfill that if there's something that needs to be reconciled that I'm ignoring. In Jesus, you are being built together. You can't do it alone into a dwelling place for God. You have been reconciled for a purpose. So here's, here's the really simple question I have this morning that can be really hard. I said, Who do you need to reconcile with? If you're unaware, when Jesus was asked, how many times do I forgive? Jesus' answer was 70 times Seven, and As as as, and here's here's what he would say as well. As Christ forgave you, you forgave others. So let me conclude with these two statements. Number one, as Christians, we are always looking to see the lost reconciled to Christ. We are always looking to see the lost reconciled to Christ. We should, when we run into depravity, just flat out lostness, it should stir something in us. And then the second thing is, as Christians, we are always seeking to reconcile one to another. Just imagine for a minute if those two men, the story I shared with you about the Welsh revival, if those two men had decided to be stubborn and go, I'll place faith in Christ, but I'm not going to go make this right. I know we can't play that game, but the reality is, what if that's on you? What if there's something you're supposed to go make right, but, but you're unwilling? Earlier in this room, we prayed, men, for courage and boldness, for those who need to believe that Christ offers reconciliation, and for those who need to go and pursue Reconciliation. And I'd like to pray that again for you now. Would you pray with me? God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, that you have reconciled us to you by your son Christ alone through his blood. God, and through that we can have peace and we're grateful. So church, as you sit with your own liner in the room, would you just pray and ask the Lord, Lord, who do I need to reconcile with? And if the Lord brings someone to mind, would you also pray and ask the Lord to give you courage and boldness to follow through in pursuing that? God, help us to believe, God, that we can have peace because you go before us. That we can have peace because it's by your blood. That we can have peace because you preach peace to those who were far off and those who were near. God, would you help us to be a people? that are constantly pursuing reconciliation. Reconciliation for the lost. And reconciliation to those who we've we need to reconcile with. God, would you draw us to you? God, we need you. And we love you.